Now hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory, Glory to, to you, Lord Christ. Christ. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white, and behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting with him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise, Praise to, to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. I was reminded today of how easily we allow ourselves to be deceived. The BBC ran a story looking at the images that have been associated with the recent invasion of Ukraine by Russia. One by one, they went through a series of images and showed that they were from other places and other times, from previous conflicts, or even just from military parades and demonstrations. We are bombarded by images and claims and sense-making about what we observe around us. It is easy to allow ourselves to be deceived if we do not have a way to discern truth. And as we explore today God's revelation of truth, let us start by taking a moment to see where we are in the church year and where we are in Luke's narrative. First, in our church year. Today is the last Sunday in the season after Epiphany. We traditionally close out this season that began with the revelation of Jesus to the Magi as the light of the world with the revelation of Jesus in the fullness of his glory to Peter and James and John on the Mount of the Transfiguration. And this is the image that we carry with us into Lent, the fullness of the glory of Jesus in stark contrast to the dust and ash of our humanity that we remember on Ash Wednesday. We have a little flash of white before we move to penitential purple. So now turning to Luke's narrative, we join the story as Jesus and the Twelve conclude the ministry in Galilee. In Galilee, the Galilean ministry, the ministry in Galilee. In rapid succession, Jesus has fed the 5,000. Peter has confessed that Jesus is the Messiah. 
And Jesus has predicted his death. And now, eight days later, eight days after Jesus has said the Son of Man must suffer and die. Eight days. And eight days that on this last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, so we look ahead to the season of preparation in Lent, this eight days reminds us of the eight days after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem when the crucified Jesus, having defeated sin and death, rises triumphant from the dead. We'll look today at the event that occurred on this eight days later on the Mount of the Transfiguration, and we'll look through the lens of two pilgrimage journeys. First, the pilgrimage of the kingdom, the invitation to journey in a new way of living. And second, the pilgrimage of prayer, the invitation into a new way of seeing. First, the pilgrimage of the kingdom, the invitation to a new way of living. So we stand and we join Peter and James and John, dazzled and dumbfounded on the mount. Let us look around for a moment at imagery. We see Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets that point to the glory of Christ, talking with Jesus. They're speaking about what our translation politely renders, his departure. The Greek gives us a better image, his exodus. Moses, the prophet, the leader of Israel in the exodus from Egypt, speaking with Jesus about his exodus. We can look back at the historical events that we find recorded in the book of Exodus as Moses leads the nation of Israel out from the oppressive captivity of Egypt through the wilderness to the land of God's promise. We can look at this as a type or a template of our own journey, a journey that Jesus models for us and invites us to join. Just a little bit after this, we see Jesus begin his journey to Jerusalem. Luke writes, Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem. Jesus, knowing what awaits him, resolves to lead us out from the captivity of sin and death through the cross and the grave and into the glorious kingdom of the resurrection. We see on the mount the fullness of the glory and power that is manifest in Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. We hear the thunderous voice of the creator reverberating to the very core of our being. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. We hear, and like Israel before us, standing before the Lord, at Mount Sinai, we answer, yes, everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And like Israel, we are quick to turn away. We are quick to turn to others and demand that they make idols for us, to declare for us, these are your gods. The gods that we can see and hear and feel and touch. Like Israel, we come to the very banks of the Jordan. We hear about the bounty of the kingdom, yet we turn away in fear. We 
unwilling to leave the comfort of our refugee status, the comfort of our victimhood, the comfort of our depression, the comfort of our wandering in the wilderness in order to pass through the cross, giving up the lies that have made us comfortable, giving up the illusion of our power and control, surrendering ourselves to the power and providence of God to lead us into the kingdom. Like Peter, we're prone to look fondly to the booths of the wilderness, the symbol of our wandering and to stay there. Too often we're only content with half the promise. We simplify the gospel into something like, Jesus died for my sins on the cross. Jesus led me out of Egypt. That's so true, but so incomplete. We simplify and we neglect the fullness of the kingdom promise of the gospel. Jesus not only led me out of Egypt, Jesus led me through the wilderness and into the very kingdom of God. As John tells us, God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The gospel is so much bigger than the cross. The gospel is so much bigger than our freedom from captivity. The gospel invites us into life. Friends, there is a vast difference between not dead and truly alive. So as we come again to this table, to this place of encounter with the risen Christ, with Christ inviting us to encounter life, we come to the invitation to pilgrimage. We come to the invitation to walk in Lent through our wilderness, to walk with Jesus into the false glory of Palm Sunday and reject it. The invitation to walk the way of the cross, trusting the way that Jesus has prepared for us so that we can also participate and live in the glory of the resurrection. This is the invitation to a new way of living, to kingdom living. And this new way of living begins with a new way seeing our second pilgrimage, the pilgrimage of prayer, the invitation to see all things in a new light. Luke tells us that Jesus brought Peter and James and John up on the mountain to pray. And that while Jesus was praying, something happened. The reality of the kingdom broke into the illusion of the temple. This is the way of prayer, surrendering our way of seeing, our way of knowing to the truth of God, allowing God to tell us what is really true. As Jesus prays, Peter and James and John are invited into reality. They see Jesus fully human and fully God in the fullness of his glory. This is not a glory that is suddenly bestowed upon Jesus, a coat that he puts on. It's the glory that was from the very beginning. It is glory revealed. Okay, that's Jesus. So what's the invitation for us 
we invited to see and to know. When we go and bless houses, we pray this beautiful prayer as we anoint one of the mirrors. Lord God, our Father, you formed and created us in your own image. When we were marred by sin and death, you sent your Son as our Redeemer. Through him, you declared us beloved. By the power of your Holy Spirit, make those who see themselves in this mirror to see themselves as you see them, as your beloved, created in your image and sent to carry your light into the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our invitation is to be transfigured in prayer. For what is really true to be known in the illusions and lies that we have believed about ourselves to be cast off. We're invited to come into the presence of God and be seen and known as beloved. To know ourselves as beloved and to know one another as beloved. This is what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Paul tells them that the Spirit gives a variety of gifts to the church, teaching, miracles, leadership, prophecy, tongues, all for the building up of the body. And unfortunately, the church at Corinth, like all of us, mistakes these external manifestations of the gift for the internal truth of identity. Paul warns them of the emptiness that comes when we see the externals as determining our identity. Paul goes on to remind us that our true identity in Christ is love. And that love is revealed as we live in community. We're no longer boastful or jealous. We don't demand our own way, but we seek the good of all. When we know who we are, we do not rejoice when that identity is rejected. We don't rejoice when someone seeks their identity, worth, and value in something other than God. We don't rejoice at the destructive idolatry of the world around us, but instead, we rejoice in the kingdom truth. The truth that says, you are love. You have value because God loves you. It is in prayer that we learn to abide in this faith, that we learn to abide in this hope, that we learn to abide in this love. It's in prayer that we learn that of all of these, the greatest is the love that God bestows on each of us. The love we receive, the love we share, these are the true measures of greatness. In the busyness, in the distractions, and the distortions of our lives, we indeed see in a mirror dimly. But there are those times when Jesus invites us to come with him up on the mountain to pray, to come and to see in prayer, what truly is to see his glory, to experience his love, to know ourselves as beloved children of God dwelling 
in his unshakable kingdom. May we all have the courage to walk as pilgrims, knowing the way of the kingdom, the new way of living, the new way of seeing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.